You are on Max's Island, a podcast by Meet Max Power. On Max's Island podcast, you'll hear the lived experiences of people who choose to live life a little differently. It might be a story of when they took time out and dared to do something crazy. Perhaps they made a decision to leave it all behind and follow their dreams. Or maybe they just stopped listening to what other people thought and did what was right for them. This experience becomes a story that is part of them and one that you need to hear. So, now that you're on Max's Island, listen to the wisdom in these stories and you too will be inspired to do what you have always wanted to do. Today on Max's Island, I've got a very familiar voice. You would have just heard her on the intro to Max's Island. We've got Beck Bowman with us today. She's a returning guest to Max's Island, one of the very, very first guests we had. Welcome back to the island, Beck. Hello. Well, you are very familiar to the regular <laughs> listeners to Max's Island, so they will feel right at home listening to your dulcet tones. So as you know, guests on Max's Island get the opportunity to tell a story, that time in their life where they did something for themselves, made a decision that maybe went against what they had been doing, perhaps left the world behind and followed a bit of a passion. Mm-hmm. So, Beck. That's what you're doing when you get on an island. Some, well, sometimes. Sometimes you're marooned. Yeah, well, this time you've made the choice to come to the <laughs> island. So perhaps you can share with us a time in perhaps recent history where you've made a decision to do something for yourself that has perhaps changed the trajectory of what you do in life. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, Tony, lovely to talk to you again. I was so pleased when you called me the other week and I saw your name come up on my phone. I was like, Tony, because we we hadn't chatted ever since before COVID. And so... So many things have happened in both our lives uh, over the last kind of four or five years that um, it was just it was just a real pleasure. So thank you. Thank you for that. Well, it's always nice to have you back on the island. And, and you're mm-hmm. right about COVID. And I talked to many of our guests and we, we did a, a series of COVID-related episodes a couple of years back. And you forget that COVID wasn't that long ago, but it seems like a long time ago. And pre-COVID seems like forever ago. Time has uh, ceased to have the meaning that it once had, I think. Uh, It's very interesting, very interesting. Like I can't always tell how long ago something was, but I definitely knew knew that it had been before COVID that we had spoken. And I guess, I mean, to give uh, some further context, so we... We met through the through a course in social impact here in WA, and that was kind of 2014, 2015. And since then, I even though I went on to start my master's in business administration, and nearly finished. Thank you very much. Um, 
except for the stats unit that, um, you know. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes you need to face those fears. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm not kind of in that field or, I mean, I am. I feel like I, I create social impact in my life. But these days I am a radio presenter, uh, organiser, a MC, panel facilitator and writer who, you know, does a little few shifts of nursing here and there to earn some money. So Um, the point in time when you made a decision to follow that path, how recent was that? And what did you do? And what was the pivotal point where that, that occurred? I think that I'd always, I always knew when I, so my first degree was in nursing and I think I always knew when I started nursing that I was, I was not going to, it was not going to be a rest of my life thing. So some people go, some people, you know, know that they're, they're going to follow this career path. I was very kind of, I grew up very working class and very practical and pragmatic. And even though I always loved to read, I um I knew I was going to need money. So I always had it in the back of my head that I would not be nursing forever, but I didn't really put a time time limit on that. I didn't really kind of have any goals that or, or clear goals that I was working towards in terms of like okay, I'm going to do this for this long and I'm going to make this much money and and have this and this and this set up and then I'm going to like pursue um, my other dreams but at the same time I was making a lot of decisions that was would set me up for the possibility of that happening and the possibility of not having to rely on a full-time kind of professional income to to be able to pursue things that I want to do it was really I think it, you know like the people like we say, oh, it was really organic. And I guess it was really organic in that things shifted uh, without me even kind of realising it. And then one day I just kind of thought, you know what, my caregiving days are coming to an end. <laughs> like I just felt very clear, felt, felt it in my bones that my days of, of being a caregiver were li- very limited. Very limited. <laughs> Do you think that was something that um, was a two-sided coin? One that you felt that, and it can be challenging, and I, I know a lot of people who are in the caregiving sector, and, and it can wear you out being the oh. one that provides support to others all the time. Now, some people have the disposition to do it. Others, it does burn you out. So the flip side of that coin is when you came to that realisation, was it also at the same time you perhaps realised that actually you wanted to spend some more time doing things for yourself? No, because I'd always been, like I'd always been a person who craved and 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 pursued adventure. So, you know, I remember reading there was this quote that really changed and really impacted me from the um, diarist or the journalist, she's not a journalist, she's a, she's a keeper of a journal, May Sarton, she's a poet as well, and to kind of paraphrase it, I'm sure she said something like, experience is the fuel, let me burn it up as I go along so that at the end of, at the end of it, 
nothing is left unused and every part of me is consumed by the flames. And, like, that really guided a lot of my decisions, right? So not only was I caregiving and working as a nurse and, like, putting putting a lot of my emotional energy into that, like, uh, you know, um, when I work, I work, you know, like when I give myself to an organisation or to a cause, like I'm very passionate about it. But I was also on the, in my personal life, pursuing adventure and going, you know, I'd go and spend six months backpacking through Europe and following the festival circuit and like, you know, driving across America or volunteering for other organisations and other, doing other things and always had something on I was never never still like I was always doing something you know there was one point where I had two jobs like I had a nighttime job and a daytime job I don't even know how I did that Uh, like honestly I don't know like the very thought of having a nighttime job and a daytime job (laughs) (laughs) at this point in my life is just like I'm like no hard no pass pass Uh, so I always I was always doing things for myself that wasn't really the problem, and there wasn't a, there wasn't a problem because I really enjoyed. Like I would never say that I was unhappy because of the work that I was doing, um, but it was definitely it, it was definitely more of a feeling that there was something else waiting for me, and I just had to keep trying different things and pursuing adventures until I found what that was. And did you find it? I mean, yeah, I, I feel like this, I feel like now I'm on a path to being, you know, using all those experiences and using all those kind of skills that I learned in being a nurse and um, all those adventures that I had in the, in the life that I'm living now. And it's funny because it was actually, it was very innocuous. Like I know that um, we were talking uh, talking about these kind of big things that happen to people and they have like such a massive impact that it changes their, their complete, like they just do a complete 150, 150, 180, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> but it was, it, I can really pinpoint it and, and take it back to the social impact course that we did not from anything we learned <laughs> that kind of blew my mind. It was a group project that I participated in. So, you know, I um, was in the best group of all time um, <laughs> with, the, you know, the best people. Um, we just really enjoyed working together. You know, I was in a group with Katie Stubbley and Travis Thomas and Karen Wellington and Jess Anderson amazing people who you know I adore and um Katie always kind of led the charge on these kind of interesting ways of presenting our assignments and we did a little animated video and I did some voiceover work on it and I remember listening back to that to the to the voiceover for this animation and being like oh god I got a good voice I got a good voice I got got a that sounds good um (laughs) And from that, it just kind of, it honestly just popped in my head uh, that I would do a radio course. So someone mentioned to me that their friend did a radio presenting course through RTRFM. 
Um, next minute, I was, you know, looking up the looking up the next presenter training courses, and I did actually I did have to put it off for a little bit because I was off on another adventure, like just traveling and stuff. Um, and I remember for about six months, I kept kind of emailing back and forth with the ops manager, going, I'm, "No, I'm serious about doing this course. Like, I just, I'm abroad. <laughs> I'm abroad. I'm not currently." I'm my summer vacation. Mm. Yes, yes. Uh, so I eventually did the, I eventually did the presenters course, and did about three overnight shows, um, before I went, okay, I need to get out of this overnight business, and started doing the hip hop show, and then in I think 2016 I started doing the art beat show, and again. I still don't, I still can't tell you why I decided that Artbeat was where I wanted to be. Like I can't, I just, just was like, do you know what? I'm like, this is a show. This is a show that I want to do. I'm going to do that show. I've got, a, um, I've got a couple of questions just before we move on. Yeah. So firstly, when you did the course and then did some of the first overnighters and then the hip hop show, at any of those stages, did you go, wow, I found my place? Or, again, was it something that grew on you? No, because it was, at the time, it was just another one of my little, like, little adventures, little things that I was trying. I was just trying, you know, like I just wanted to give it a go, see what would happen. Like I've just never been afraid of giving things a go. And I really was just having a good time. I took it seriously because I believe in like you gotta take the work seriously, don't take yourself seriously, you know? Like I think if you're gonna do something, you gotta you do it. And I had a great time. I mean, look, it was a very stressful at first because like I did not feel like I had the musical knowledge. You know, and like I had to do like I really had to brush up on my on my indie music alternative. And do I re do I recall a story of you having trouble getting into the studio for one of those? Oh, albums? yeah, I locked myself out once. Like, I could not remember the code. I couldn't get in. Just had to turn around and go home. They had to put, like, the automatic music on because the person behind before me hadn't gone in either. And, like, I remember, like, I would just, I would literally, like, look up in the system what was the longest track that I I could find just to give me like a chance to breathe. <laughs> I would play these like massively long tracks from like the Velvet Underground at three o'clock in the morning, just so I could like a you know get up and run downstairs and go to the bathroom, <laughs> but also so that I could just have a few few minutes just to like get my head together and go oh oh like what am I doing? Um, what am I trying to? What am I trying to? What am I trying to do here? But did you get a buzz out of being a presenter? Oh, for sure. Yeah, I loved it. The first time that I, the first time that I had to talk uh, or be live, when I knew people were listening, which is a lot different from overnights when you're like, mm. I was nervous as anything, so nervous, and I really never want to listen to that that ever again like I really hope that it's just disappeared but but yeah I just I 
it took a while to feel comfortable. It, it like it really did. It still did take a while to be comfortable, even though I knew I enjoyed it. It still took time. And then one day, probably like about a year doing Artbeat, which is a kind of talks and music show that is focused on arts and culture here in in Bulu, in Perth. Probably about a year in, I started feeling really settled and I reckon probably a year after that, I started feeling like I knew what I was doing. (laughs) That's significant because, as you said, Artbeat is an interview and music show, so Mm. there's obviously a lot more preparation. There's a lot more um, spontaneity required, depending on the answers you get and to your questions that you're asking Mm. and the responses you're getting from your guest. So that must have been a massive leap from, again, doing the show prior to that, which was the hip-hop show. And just I need to ask, were you a hip-hop person by nature or was that something that was learned? I love hip-hop. I love hip-hop. I would play hip-hop any time. It's got me in trouble. It's got me in a lot, like, it's got me in trouble um, playing hip-hop during the day because of, of, you know, some language. You've got to be a bit careful. You can't just, like, play any banger. <laughs> like, you can at 11 o'clock at night. Sure. I, I think when I first, when I first started, um, I mean, like, you know, we are talking community radio, right? Like, it's, it's still community radio. It's independent media, but it's... And certainly Artbeat is the only radio show or the only media that is really dedicated to the arts and culture scene in Perth. You can't turn on any other radio show and find the kind of interviews that we do. You can turn on the other radio shows and find, like, like maybe visiting artists getting interviewed, but it's going to be a PR exercise. Like, you know, I've always been very clear that that's not what we do. We talk about process and practice. Um. I think in the beginning I was like really some of my questions or some of the the tangents that I went down were quite self-indulgent. I think I brought too much of myself to the interviews. I mean, I think you can, you, it's fine to bring parts of yourself to interviews, but I, I think that I brought too much of myself to interviews. So that was something that I had to, but, but, but that felt comfortable to me. So I had to kind of wind that back. But on the other hand, because I had done nursing for so long, I had those kind of listening and assessment and synthesising as you go skills that really helped me to become pretty good. That's a really great point to make because, you know, there are so many different versions of presenting on a live medium like radio mm. and where you've perhaps found your current place and current level of expertise and comfort is in that more flexible environment of of interviewing as well as music and Mm. and that your natural personality natural inquisition um, but also your experience from from nursing as you say the observational nature of things and the need to listen has set you up perfectly to be be good at that in that role and I don't think you should undersell the value of community radio and, and what RTR provides and, and as you rightly point out that show Artbeat is one of a kind 
as is mm. many shows on RTR that that mainstream media don't pick up, don't indulge in at all, and that makes us culturally poorer. I really think it does. I think that there's a tendency to assume the audience is dumb. Audiences aren't dumb, you know, like there's a very big difference between making something accessible to people who don't have a PhD in art history (laughs) and talking to them like they're dumb. And I, I think that that that's why I have troubles listening to commercial radio now. I've got to be honest because I don't. I don't, I just feel like they assume that their listeners are stupid, and they're not. Because you can talk about something that's happening in a tiny little artist-run initiative art gallery, with you know artists making stuff out of twigs and nuts, and you know all this sort of stuff, and you can still make it accessible and interesting to people who aren't into twigs. (laughs) (laughs) Beck, I guess, established yourself in this creative space. You're affording yourself the time to indulge this creative experience for yourself, and it takes up a lot of your time. You mentioned that you're doing some other things in the creative space. Can you just let the listeners of Max's Island know as we sort of wind up, what other things you're doing creatively and how you manage your lifestyle in this way? In this, in this, in this gig economy. Um, so I, yeah, Artbeat does take up, so it's a three-hour show and so, and there's prep involved obviously. So, you know, I reckon it probably does take up about eight hours of my week. I made, because, you know, I said at the beginning, like when I do something, I do something. And I, I made, I really made Artbeat a priority when I started out. So I wouldn't do shifts, like I wouldn't do nursing shifts. I would tell people I wasn't available on Fridays and or Thursday nights. So I, I was doing it consistently. So now I do a couple of night shifts a week at the local hospital, which is pretty good money and keeps the lights on. Um, <laughs> I mean, one thing I learned through through doing it and through talking to all these amazing writers and performers and artists who had come in for interviews is that 80% have day jobs. It is so hard to make a living wage as an artist in this country. Somewhere in there has to be some kind of day job. But... I have started over the last couple of years, have started up a few different ventures, I guess. So I started with a friend, a night called Words in Progress, which is a platform for performance development in musicians. So it's for singer songwriters mainly at the moment. And and it kind of gives people a chance to get up and sing their, like, sing and play their original music to an appreciative audience and have that experience of, like, being on stage and and learning how to kind of hold yourself and how to use the mic and how to work with soundies. And that's been really lovely. So we've been doing that at Lyrics Underground for a couple of years now and we're starting to run some workshops on that and we're also starting the Words in Progress Midland Stories in June this year. It's not a moneymaker. <laughs> a few more night shifts. <laughs> a few more night shifts. I mean, it's, it's, 
yeah, so that's the thing, right? It's either day jobs or you're reliant on grants and funding, same as like a lot of not-for-profits. So, you know, we have every, we have every intention of starting to apply for grants soon to kind of give us a bit of bit of financial recognition for the work because I, I think it is important, the words in progress, because I know we have WAPA here in Perth, but not everyone can go to WAPA and the people that usually perform are usually like we really try and make sure there's every age range represented on stage and a lot of people were like me and they went into really practical professions and didn't pursue their own kind of creative dreams and they can't go back to WAPA now like you know, it's, it's just, it's not feasible for them. So there needs to be another way for people to be able to develop those performance skills, those kind of soft soft skills that you need to be able to capture and engage an audience because your music can be amazing, but if you don't know how to use mic properly or if you can't communicate your needs to the live sound person, then you're not, or you kind of don't know how to talk to a crowd, then you're still not going to succeed, you know? Like I really feel like the, those performance skills are as important as social media marketing and all of that sort of stuff. And uh, I, I was really lucky at the end of last year to get or to be accepted into the Women in Music Mentorship Program through the Australian Independent Records Association. And that's been amazing. Like I've really gotten so much out of doing that and it's really gave me a lot of confidence. When I went into the program, I thought to myself, like, at the end of this, I'm going to know what I am. Like I'm going to be able to give myself some kind of job title. And I've come out going, oh, like, actually, I'm just me. Like I'm just still that same person that's, like, looking for adventure and looking for interesting things to do okay so that might be a little bit of my ADHD but (laughs) and like I don't need a job title to keep pursuing these things so that's been really good so that's kind of been like I kind of have these little branches where like music and writing and the arts have been these threads and the writing I've been, so I've I've just had a piece published for Sweet Pea Gallery, which is a gallery in Perth, um, in their journal. This is like an online journal that they have. I'm working on a book with another friend. I do like to collaborate. So, you know, if anyone's listening and wants to collaborate, um, (laughs) we are working on a book about uh, women in music in WA and the ways that you can see the the connections and that web of community grow through the generations of female and non-binary musicians in this town. And I've been doing work as a panel facilitator. Oh, I love facilitating panels. Like I just find that so interesting and challenging to be able to kind of conduct this conduct is the right word is to conduct these conversations between like three people that don't know each other and myself and and make it interesting and engaging because you know like we've all been to those panels that you're like oh my god kill me now like you know and it's just like one person talks one person talks the other person talks and it's just like you know really droney and they're just you know they may as well just be reading off a clipboard so I really love doing panel conversations
So, Beck, it really does sound like when you talk about your life being a series of adventures, that this current adventure into the creative landscape has become all-consuming for you. You're doing so many things. I'm sure you will find that, that place to land on, but I suspect it'll only be for a short time before you take another leap and go off onto another adventure and another journey. So, yeah, it's funny, but... but... <laughs> Uh, I think that as much as I pro as I will, like this is the longest I've had a job for, Tony. Well, maybe it's because it's you. You have found your place then. Yeah, like or a I, place that really does resonate with what really yeah. influences you, and 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 also what you're good at. I think those listeners of Max's Island who um, should afford themselves the time to tune into RTR FM nine o'clock on a Friday morning. And you will hear a, a great product and, and some really interesting conversations and great music. And maybe some swears from the hip hop. Sorry. <laughs> Beck, thanks very much for being on Max's Island. Really enjoyed your story. I think the listeners of Max's Island will appreciate that life doesn't always follow pivotal moments and that sometimes decisions we make take a while to result in something a little different. Your foray into the creative world and radio announcing initially, that has opened the door to many other creative opportunities and that it's filling your cup with doing things that you really enjoy. I am broke, Tony. I'm so, I'm really, like, I do not have a lot of disposable income. <laughs> put it that way I cannot afford the beautiful handbag I saw in the shop today not that I even like handbags <laughs> but I'm sure you're getting the fulfillment out of your creative endeavors I am I am so thanks again for being on Max's Island and uh, good luck with Artbeat in the future thank you Spoke on the bus on the way home from work. He was lost in the details of life. Each day was a blur. Oh, work and no play. And how, how it had turned out this way. He told me his plan a short term escape, five weeks on the Bibbulin track. Go it alone.
every sense was engaged, his mind was as clear as the sky. Completely alone, no emails or phone and nothing. 